mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec, this is my brother Lou, and we're here for another great episode of Gravity Falls, Roadside Attraction. Everyone, I swear we will have actual plot coming soon. (laughs) So it's funny that you say that literally on the last episode... We were yeah. thinking, oh, I thought we were like another episode away from the Bill Cyber stuff, but we're already here. And then we follow it up with an episode uh, after it turned out that that one was Bill Cyber heavy. Follow it up with an episode that has none of the main plot, really. Yeah. It's almost not quite another filler episode exactly. Well, I guess you could almost call it that. This could literally have taken place in any point in the series, 100%. It's almost like at the end over here, they're like, oh, wait, we have another one that we need to do. We forgot to air this roadside attractions one. Let's do that. Yeah, I wouldn't say any point in the series because I guess the main point of it is for Dipper to say, oh, "Oh, I'm getting over Wendy. Like I, I, so it at least has to be past the point where he was rejected. Um, We can close the plot line that everybody was so interested in this whole time. (laughs) And yet, despite all of this, Lou, I kind of loved this episode. I, I actually, the when it ended, I was like, okay, you know what? This moral is good enough. And I would even say needed enough for young children, young boys specifically, that uh, I actually didn't mind it. Sure. Okay. So, and the moral is one thing. And the vibes, the theming is another thing. Because I do feel like having an episode where, you know, these kids on their summer camp adventure get to go on this roadside attraction road trip. Like, on an RV with Grunkle Stan, it feels like this episode is needed for the Gravity Falls canon, and I'm so happy that we have it. I guess that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way, but in terms of the actual vibe of what Gravity Falls is, it it does fit very well. I I guess I didn't think about it exactly like that. I I definitely was watching this like, wow, I, I can't believe that we're getting this episode this late in the series with so much going on. Now, and I will say, I do critique the episode order here. This episode doesn't even have Ford in it. Like, we have almost no semblance of plot. Like, it really could be, like, closer to the end of uh, the Dipper Wendy storyline wrapping up. And I think it would be more satisfying if we were going straight into heavy plot episodes for the last five or six episodes uh, down the stretch. But despite it, again... I, it's weird because we're going to be talking about this episode and I feel like it's a very fun episode to talk about. Um, I just wish it had been a little bit early into the series, maybe like early season two. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, but, but, you know, all things considered, there is another point that like we're about to have like several consistent episodes of like real intense plot, you know? Yeah, well, so having Lou, a little reprieve ahead of time isn't, isn't a bad thing either. We have the penultimate episode coming up next, kind of, uh, because we have one episode and then we have the three-part finale, um, which yep. is almost more like a four-part finale because the last episode that got aired is like a 44-minute episode. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that. We we are in the end stretch here. Like, we are getting to the end uh, of the series and the podcast. It's, it's kind of yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We've got, what, like five episodes left? Five or six? Yeah, and we'll have plenty of time for all that plot stuff. But today, let's get to the recap uh, of this episode. So we start off cold open. The group is getting ready to camp. Uh, but it's mostly Seuss, uh, Grunkle, Seuss and Grunkle Stan, primarily. Uh, yeah. And Dipper kind of walks up, and uh, he's wondering what's going on. 
as we find out very quickly, Mabel has also been invited. She's bringing Grenda and Candy. Uh, <laughs> this is a good scene where Gregel Stan has uh, Mabel's friends, uh, Grendi, Grenda and Candy, sign non-disclosure agreements uh, for, funny. for attending uh, this road trip. But I guess he doesn't feel the need to do that with Seuss or his own... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say kids, nieces, nephews. Yeah. But... Even so, uh, he he describes this, you know, ultimate Oregon road trip adventure where every year he goes around with Seuss and they basically play pranks on the other roadside attractions. And the, the idea is that the other roadside attractions are giving him trouble as well. Um, I think that the definition of prank is going to be very up for debate today. Yeah, uh, but I agree with that. That is the general idea of what's happening in the episode. They they ask Dipper if he's interested in going. And uh, at first, he's not really having it. But Mabel already packed his bag. And as he sort of, um, as she as she hands over his uh, bag with the stuff that she packed, so a bunch of like Wendy stuff falls out. So we're, we are immediately getting Lou's least favorite uh, plot line here. I groaned uh, so hard. I, I remembered as soon as that box fell out, I remembered what this episode was about. And I'm like, God, do I even want to watch this? I did. I watched it and took notes diligently like I always do. But I, I literally did consider just skipping it. <laughs> it really does feel like we are past the point of the series where this episode was uh, needed or wanted. Yeah. Uh, at least this plot line. Um, but... You know, he is saying, look, I know enough time has passed, but I'm having trouble getting over it. I don't know. Maybe the episode's intentionally placed here so that we can really feel like some distance has passed and to really hit home. Yeah. Come on. I guess Dipper. so. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, like, it's it's not that there isn't something kind of sensible about that, like the emotional plot line of Dipper being like, yo, like, how do you just get over this stuff? Like, okay, like, that's a real emotion. I'm sure people relate to that. Not me in my life right now, but I'm sure someone out there does. Well, sure, and I will say that the extent of what we'd seen is really just him accepting the fact that Wendy doesn't like him, but sometimes the uh, actual getting over somebody is a little bit more complicated than that, even if you know they're not into you. So, I don't know. I kind of see it, but again, I, I don't think it was necessary this late. Don't need to harp on that anymore. Um, I've always been a quick turnaround kind of guy. <laughs> fair enough. Well, Dipper clearly is not. And luckily, yeah. Seuss says, well, hey, man, road trips are where you can go to meet new people. Uh, and uh, Dipper grabs the brochure uh, that says, rediscover yourself on the open road with a, a picture uh, of a cool young couple. And he's like, oh, that's me. Now, I, I do relate to the idea of just, like, going on a road trip to discover, like, some lesson about yourself, you know what I mean? Or going traveling for it. Um, yeah. I would argue it's not necessary, but I understand the feeling of wanting to do that, do it that way, you know? Sure, there is something refreshing about kind of getting yourself away from your typical atmosphere as a way to reinvent yourself. Um, yeah. I mean, in social science, we would say the fresh start effect is when you sort of... Uh, use a major life change as a way to uh, make a bunch of other fresh starts at the same time because your environment changes and that's kind of your opportunity uh, to fix some other things. Um, but yeah. that's easier said than done. And I think that... Um, I think it's always it always will feel temporary, no matter what, because we're addicted to living life and the true goal of enlightenment is to feel detached from all of our earthly pleasures. 
<laughs> sure. And there is something to changing your atmosphere. I, I just think that, you know, you it's still very easy to settle back to your own ways if you don't, like, very intentionally say, okay, this is my opportunity to do these things. And I would argue that Dipper actually does take that opportunity in this episode in terms of the one life change that he's looking to make, which is get over Wendy and just become a more confident person who is, uh, you know, I guess more attractive uh, to girls is kind of what he's thinking in the beginning. But I think it turns True. into more than that. Yeah, it ends up being use other people as a means to your own self-fulfillment. That's right. And what a, what a fantastic takeaway that uh, we'll be able to unpack. Uh, so the cold open is over and the RV is moving. Uh, we're inside and Grenda says something that I agree with. RVs are amazing. We're just sitting at a table on a moving vehicle. I love that, honestly. Yeah, they're drastically unsafe, all things considered, but I also like an RV. Oh, I don't know. I actually, I got I got that new car finally. I was going to tell you not recording, but I got it. And man, it's, it's, it is a big car and I like it. It's, it's like, it, it fits people. It's like, it's like a mini RV almost. It's really big and I like it. Dude, congratulations. This is amazing. I love that I'm hearing this for the first time and uh, people are getting to hear the... The recording, honestly, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a little janky, but I mean, so are RVs, so I'm, I'm not a, not totally mad about it. Sure, well, I'm super happy for you. That's that's wonderful news. Um, And I, maybe you'll have more to talk about uh, vehicles after this episode then. Fair. Uh, I mean, I, I am a road tripper. I've gone on lots of road trips across, you know, the Midwest, Western United States. That's uh, true. I've done a lot of driving, and I, I do really love it. It does feel incredible. Like, I, I went on one road trip that took me out to the Arizona desert for this fire spinning festival, um, and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever done. It was really cool. Did the idea of road tripping and sort of uh, getting out onto the open road attract you to this specific vehicle? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Because um, one of the reasons I like it is because it's got so much space for, like, like camping. I can throw, like, a little car mattress down in the back and uh, car camp if I need to. That's cool. Well, I, I would be surprised if this episode didn't appeal to you thematically then, because it is very much about not just travel. Well, I, I don't care. I've never been a roadside attractions kind of person. I never go to stuff like that. But you have been like a spontaneous person of, oh, you know, I would totally pull off to the side of the road and see what this thing over here is all about, whether it's a roadside attraction or something else. Unlikely for a roadside attraction, usually for like a cave, like usually for natural phenomena, like natural, like Yellowstone, I would do something like that for like national parks. Okay, caves, that's a good point. Falls, rivers, trails, stuff like that. I'm a nature person. And there is a hard distinction, but I still think that uh, the idea of sort of being with a bunch of people that you care about in a car, going on an adventure to all these uh, little stops is a pretty fun idea. And I agree. Again, I very, really very cool. glad that we get this episode in the Gravity Falls canon. Yeah. Um, well, long road trips could do wonders for your... Uh, if you're paying attention, you can learn a lot about life when you're on a long road trip and about accepting the journey as like a river as opposed to a controlled series of mechanical motions. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I do think that this episode is a good character development opportunity episode, especially for Dipper. But yeah, uh, I would totally. even say Grunkle Stan and Candy, frankly. Uh, I really liked Candy in this episode. I agree with that. I think Candy was a... I, I, yeah, we'll get into it. Let's Let's get into the plot. Sure. Well, Candy, speaking of her, uh, she's really into travel pamphlets, and this is important. Um, because I mentioned it she's one time, about, so we know. Yeah, she's really excited about uh, having all these pamphlets and, uh, oh, look at all the things that we're going to be able to see. And she's expressing this excitement. Grunkle Stan is basically uh, putting a damper on her spirit and is like, nah, those things are useless. I'm the only guide you need. Yeah, which is a very Grunkle thing to say. 
Um, and actually, the the thing that I didn't expect was that gr- the way that Grunkle behaves, not just in terms of the advice that we see him giving Dipper later, but in terms of the uh, the road trips, pers- like the road trip as a whole, it actually all relates to each other in a very narratively satisfying way, which I really wasn't expecting. Uh, that's true. And I actually think a lot of his advice was genuinely good. I actually uh, think some of it was too. Some of it. So, yeah, some. And <laughs> we can uh, parse that through uh, yeah. as we get farther in. But uh, anyway, we get this set up and then we arrive at our very first stop on the road. And Grunkle warns us. He's like, this place has the most black-hearted proprietor in Oregon. And it's it is as grandma. we pull up. Granny Sweetkins and her yarn ball. It's pretty funny. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good joke. It, it was almost a little expected by that delivery. Like we're two seasons into Gravity Falls and you can kind of get a feel for their like expectation comedy. Like the minute he delivered that line, I'm like, what is it going to be a little girl or a nice little, you know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. And it also plays off the, uh, I think, I don't know if this is a real monument, but it feels like it's real. Like the biggest yarn ball in the world. It's the biggest be ball of twine in Minnesota. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh man, and that may be real. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's like, a, it's famous for being the like largest unimportant attraction. There's like the biggest yarn ball and the biggest rubber band ball in the world. That's the one I was thinking about. The biggest rubber band ball is for sure in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yep, yep. Well- this Granny Sweetkins apparently uh, lit Grungle Stan's car on fire on two non-consecutive lo- locations. I thought it was funny that he specified non-consecutive. This yeah. was not the same trip. This was not the same. Yeah, I. Uh, there were some pretty good one-liners throughout this. Honestly, I didn't write all of them down, but there were there were a few that definitely had me busting up. Sure, we get right away that uh, the very first quote-unquote prank that's supposed to happen here is the group is going to completely untangle this yard. Bo- yarn ball which not a prank this is pure like yeah i don't know sabotage vandalism vandalism um, that's the word i would use legally <laughs> you know it's like th- this is actually directly uh destroying the thing that is her business in a way like she's got other things but i don't but know not really pretty, uh pr- pretty rough here uh yeah that'd be like if you walked up to the rubber band ball and just took scissors to it because you didn't like the owner you're just like, yeah, hey, good, good luck making a new one and putting it out here. Have fun. Yeah, like, definitely not legal. And granted, we we understand that Grunkle Stan is not somebody who does things by legal means in the first place. True. Uh, Dipper, however, is not as interested in what's going on over there, because he is there to rediscover himself. Uh, and flirt he... with every... Never mind, I won't make that joke. <laughs> well, yeah, well... well... You're not far off. At yeah. least in this first case, uh, he is just trying to talk to a random girl about his age who has an ice cream. And uh, first try doesn't go well. He's awkward, uh, yeah. doesn't know what to say, and uh, she just sort of walks off. Yeah, and dumps the ice cream in his hand. Yeah, that was, uh, that's pretty hard fail there, I would say. Yeah, pretty hard fail. But, like, one thing that I like about this is it, when you're young and you do start having these feelings, you do kind of need to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, you need to talk to people and learn how to socialize. And, and I mean, I guess you don't need to, but it'll help you out a lot if you do. Yeah, and it's hard because... And something that I will say already that I found interesting about this is 
there is a logic to you do need to learn how to do this, but you also don't want to feel like you're using other people as a practice mechanism. So, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, I'm interested to get to uh, all of our thoughts at the end of it. But Yeah, me too. This, is, this um, will be philosophically more interesting than actually it should be. <laughs> yeah, so Dipper realizes, okay, this is not working. I'm just going to help with the ball of yarn. So he, tie, he helps them tie it to the RV um, and they basically drive off um and uh unravel the entire thing but before that he kind of confesses to grunkle stan what's on his mind he's like you know i'm having a hard time getting over wendy and i, I want to be better about that but every time i talk to a girl i unravel i can't think of a perfect metaphor but you know and they're driving away with the yarn ball that, that was one yeah. of those one-liners that i thought was really funny uh, he says, at this rate, he'll be a sad loner like Toby determined. Uh, Grunkle's like, wait, never say that. <laughs> yeah, he's, like literally, you've gone too far. We don't even get like a flash over to Toby determined. But at this point, I love that they are confident enough that the audience knows who that man is. That they are willing True. to just name drop him without showing a frame. Honestly, if you're this invested in the show, you probably should be at this point. It, it you, you this is a show that requires you to pay attention. So I, I think that that's a fair assumption on the show's part. Yeah, uh, Stan offers his advice. He says he's an expert on women and he can help. Uh, and first, thing immediately says, you think yikes. <laughs> yeah, immediately you think yikes. But then he says a couple things that I don't think are that far off. He's like funny, but not too funny. Annoying, but in a lovable way. You think. The three C's, as Stan says, confidence, comedy, and some other word I can't think about. And I don't know if uh, I ever figured out exactly what that word was. I got a hint for you. Oh. It, it It's cock. That's the hint. It's the answer. No, you really think that that's the idea? I mean, I couldn't think of another word with a C. Wow. Uh, we're going to go with that. <laughs> that is the kind <laughs> of thing that they, they would censor it. Unfortunately, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Um, wow. I think you're right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, uh, no. I'm not even going to look it up to fact check because I want to live in the reality where you're correct. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's ambigu it's amb ambiguous. You, you could put another C in there, but that's the one sure, I thought yeah. of. Whatever makes you the most comfortable, I guess. Confidence, comedy, and comfort. Charisma. Actually, that one, makes, that one actually does work. It does. It's a, Yeah, I would, I would say it's different enough from confidence. I think charisma is good. Yeah. Um, so uh, he said, Dipper seems to be jiving with this a little bit. And Stan says, look, try out the advice of the first girl you see at the next stop. Uh, all right. Um, so just really quick. I think he's not that wrong about some of this advice. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think you got to be honest with people. Like, if you're going to go into a situation where you're, like, actually trying to practice... Maybe just straight up say it. Maybe that ruins your tactic, but you're practicing anyway, so why not, right? Just be like, hey, like, I'm trying to learn how to be... I don't know, maybe that's cringe to say, though. It is a little cringy. I mean, I... Okay, <laughs> there's a couple things here. At the end of the day, I'm not sure if what Dipper does here is, like, 100% morally wrong. Um, and, I th th again, it's hard because we're sort of, like, creeping around the end result here. Uh... But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's safe to say at this point, you know, he starts flirting to, with a bunch of different people and yeah. getting phone numbers from a lot of different people. And you start to ask, all right, what, what are the ethics of this? And uh, 
you know, I, I, I feel like it, it's okay to talk to a couple different people. And I don't think that he makes any actual commitments to anybody. See, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, well, he never like promised he would only date any of these people. And I know they're kids, but like when you're an adult, now there is such a thing as leading people on, you know what I mean? We're like, definitely you, you like his dipper. I think that first girl, he thought that he was actually trying to set something up. You know what I mean? He even asked Grunkle at the end of that experience, like, should, should I email her? And Grunkle's like, nah, is the great thing about a road trip. You're never going to see them again. So just, you know, just keep, just keep practicing. Well, um, okay. And that's where it starts to lose me a little bit. So we can get there. Uh, but I, I do think that Grunkle stands advice about just playfulness and confidence. You know, I think the idea of funny, not too funny, annoying, but in a lovable way, that to me is just like being, oh, sort of not taking it too seriously, but also not just self-deprecating yourself to a point of uh, acting like you genuinely have self-hatred. Yeah, that's a good point. Never go into a relation. Never, never try to use pity as a flirting mechanism. I'll just tell you, if it does work, it's going to put you in a bad relationship. Yeah, I think that that's, that, that's good advice. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll have all of our unsolicited advice for every one of the listeners by the time this is yeah, done. Yeah, I know, right? You're, you're getting uh, the Jester Bros uh, <laughs> dating advice for youngsters. <laughs> sure, well, and the hard... I will say this right out of the, ba- right out of the gate. I was a dipper as a child. Uh, the worst that you can possibly imagine. And I would say that stuck with me for a very long time. I wouldn't say it was till I was maybe at least 21 till I sort of started to understand uh, the norms around this stuff a little bit better. And now I'm 30 and married. But, you know, I, I, I will say that I had my first relationship when I was in like third or fourth grade or something and tried to be pretty I, I liked dating people. Like, I, I definitely was... I had experience. <laughs> well, it's, we had very different uh, uh, experiences. I never had... I never dated a single person through high school. Um, never asked. Um, you know, I, I just... I was very awkward about the whole thing. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I always was hoping to wait for somebody else to come to me first. It was not good. Uh, I think I was and in a different I, relationship. I, when, I, had one, I had one prominent relationship every year of high school, I think. Sure. I, and I just, I related to Dipper and the awkwardness of this because it's hard, especially if you don't have experience with it. And that's the thing. I never got any. I didn't even try. So I think that Stan's idea of, you know, just talk to people. It's going to go better than you think it will is valuable. I actually think of the character Wirt from Over the Garden Wall, from those of you who've seen it. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah sort of how uh, Wirt looks around at all, he, he likes this person, and he just sees this one dude who, in actuality, is kind of a loser, but he sees him as this huge threat, and that he himself is fully unlovable, and this other girl couldn't possibly care about him, and so much of it's built up in his own head, where he could very easily just have a normal conversation with somebody, and it would go better than he thinks. But when you're that age, and you're awkward, you look around like everybody is judging you, and that they see you as small, and maybe you never had this, but this is for sure how I felt about myself growing well, up. I just I just want to clarify, it might not go well. Failure is the key to later success. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like, um, I, I wouldn't say, don't tell people it'll go better than you think it will. Because some young person while listening to this might be like, you know what? I will go talk to the girl that I like. And they will say the cringiest, horrible thing. When they're 20 years old, they're going to look back and be like, that was horrendous. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's a good point. Because I had a lot of those moments, but it was because I was trying, you know what I mean? Sure, but then by the time you were an adult, you were probably better at it faster than I was. Because then I had to go through that after I turned, like, 18. I'm not Um, married. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I guess that's true, but our entire, like... You're also three years younger, and our relationship uh, experiences have differed tremendously. So there's no one normal way. Well, I have have my feelings about marriage, too, that I won't get into. Right. Uh, So... Anyway, the, this is a teaser uh, for what most of this discussion is probably going to be about. Yeah. Uh, so the RV drives away. Dipper has had this prompt from Grunkle Stan to go ahead and try to meet somebody. And they go to Upside Downtown, the nausea capital of the state. Which is pretty and, funny. Yeah, this is kind of innovative. There's a cool system where uh, the attendees can put on special shoes and kind of walk in. And then they are literally walking upside down. Um, yeah. Which... In actuality, uh, really bad for you. Uh, you know, the blood's going to rush to your head the whole time. Oh, yeah. And that happens to Grenda. Yeah. Well, it's a play on the that play, the mystery spot in California where gravity is like slightly angled to one side. So it looks like it looks like it's just a perspective trick. Sorry, everybody. But um, it, you, it looks like you put a quarter on a thing and you'd expect it to roll down and it rolls up. Like, gravity looks reversed, but I'm sorry, everyone. It's just a perspective trick. It is really cool, though. It and is really cool. I do recommend watching the videos because it is so, so disorienting. Um, So Dipper does go right up to the first girl he sees, introduces himself, uh, and so does she. Uh, she says her name is Emma Sue, and they actually seem to have a pretty good interaction uh, because Dipper does approach it not that awkwardly. He's just like, hey, this is... Kind of, like, honestly, how a normal person would just approach any yeah. casual conversation. And I think that's what he usually gets wrong is in the past, he would always go up thinking I have something to gain out of this and yeah. it goes poorly. This time it felt more organic. Minus when he says towards the end of the conversation trailing off. Yeah. I'm actually kind of a jerk because that was the advice he was given. You're so right. That goes right over her head and she's still interested, but you're right. That was cringe. That was not good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, the advice is kind of funny. I always think, but the thing is, the people who say that girls only like jerky guys, they're just salty. Yeah. That, <laughs> I've that... always been really nice to people. I've never thought that being a jerk is a good tactic. I think that, like, tons of communication, even overly communicating, is like, it, it, if you're a jerk, you're going to end up in a relationship that's not good. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just not going to be a healthy relationship. Yeah, 100%. Even if it works, that's not the goal, you know? Yeah, you don't want to operate on those parameters in the first place. Um, And it also is a major misnomer. I think it is, uh, you know, nerdy guys like myself uh, in school. That are just salty that they don't have confidence. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I will admit that, you know, if you're in that situation like a dipper, you're looking around and you're seeing confident people and you are seeing them a lot of the time as jerks. And sometimes they are. Sometimes uh, that's some- true. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they're not. But regardless, the confidence is the real factor there. It's not whether you're being uh, mean or not. I, I guarantee yeah. you that most people, whether... And we're also talking gender normatively here, but in all cases, people are and going... Also, to- I also want to say, this is another tidbit of advice. Helpful tip number three. Uh <laughs> You know, confidence isn't something that you just are suddenly. You know, it's not just like, you know what? I'm going to stop doubting myself and just care. Like, 
it's it's okay to want to try to succeed at things to make yourself confident. Like my confidence went up when I joined cross country and started being a good runner. And my confidence was aided by the fact that I got good at something. You know what I mean? So, yep. you know, it doesn't mean just be confident. Like find something that you can thrive in that you can be confident doing to help you with your confidence. You know what I mean? You speak to a really good point, which is that behavioral change is not a light switch. And I think that a lot of people... Yeah. Uh, love to treat it that way because, you know, you look at somebody and you're like, oh, just do it. You know, just change this in inherent thing about yourself that has been that same way for like 18 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's not that simple. It does take like a, a greater attempt. And I think your idea of getting yourself involved with something that can grow your confidence more organically is a really good idea. Uh, and in some ways it is almost a little bit weird that Dipper is able to just walk up and be better. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's a show where we need to explore this. Well, and the, the part that does make sense is that Dipper actually isn't that awkward in normal interactions. He's really not. Like, we get to see throughout the show, he's True. pretty good at chatting with people, except for when there's this pressure or a parameter of, oh, I'm interested in this person, he shuts down. So Yeah, well, and I mean, I think that people feel a lot more awkward than they actually are a lot of the time. Not that you're not also awkward, because that's a thing. But like a lot of the, like like the scene with him and Candy on the bus, that was awkward. Yeah, <laughs> for real. You know what I mean. But awkward can be adorable. Like I I like awkwardness. You know, my wife and I are both awkward, and we were attracted to that quality in each other to a point. Obviously, like it's totally sometimes it's too much. I think yeah, different things for different people. You know, right. I think that uh, awkward can slide into cringe pretty quick if you're not careful. Yeah, especially if people aren't really on the same level. Totally, yeah. But uh, anyway, this goes well. Uh, he gets her email address, uh, and she, but she has to run because her parents have to go give birth in Canada, which she says is a story for another time. But I feel like this is a nice, subtle uh, joke here about, oh, we don't want our next kid born in uh, the United States. Oh, I didn't actually just got get there. that. That's so funny. Yeah, it's like, we need to make sure to establish Canadian residency, so we gotta get up the border. Yo, that's a good tactic. I'm gonna bookmark that one. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dipper is over the moon. And now he's super confident, so he jumps, and because he happens to be upside down in this place, he also falls to the ground where the gift shop is. Huh. And in his confidence... He runs to Mabel, Candy, and Grenda. They're like, wow, you're you're looking uh really good. Or, or I don't even remember what they say, but it's like, yeah, I'm better than okay. Uh, and he yeah. looks over at Candy. He's like, hey, Candy, new pair of glasses, very shiny. Yeah. And that's where she blushes. And we get another important uh, plot point to this episode, which is that Candy shows to be somewhat interested in Dipper at the moment that he starts having confidence in himself. Yeah. And, and the fact that it is a confidence thing that turns it is, uh, you know, it's so funny, though. When, when you think about it, it's like when you tell anxious people, like, oh, you'll feel a lot better if you're not anxious. It's like, that just makes me more anxious. Yes. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing with confidence. Like, knowing that I don't have confidence and that's all I need makes me even less confident because I don't have it. Yeah, and uh, I'll use an example uh, from when things started to work out for me. Um, Disney story, everybody. Uh, I'm Disney sure that most, most of you know at this point that I worked at Disney World. Uh, the most confident I'd ever been was when I was working at uh, a ride that I knew very well. Uh, I had come in on an internship, 
And I happened to extend my internship to where I had been there longer than all of the other interns. So when new people came in, I was actually the one that knew the most when all the interns were working at the same time. And I had this natural confidence of I really knew what I was doing and other people were looking toward me. That had absolutely nothing to do with love or anything else. But it became an environment where I felt very much uh, like I was some, I guess, an authority of something. Like yeah. I, I felt good doing it. Um, I really was enjoying myself doing it. And uh, it felt good to have that one thing where other people were looking to me, you know, in, into this more almost mentor role sometimes. Uh, and as a result, that was when I finally started to have luck in the dating realm. Uh, yeah was just, uh, it had nothing to do with me getting better at meeting people. It was just being more myself and being in a, an environment uh, in a situation where I felt like I was most able to be myself. So, um, you know, for different people, that can be a lot of different things. But I think your advice about getting into cross country or finding something that you're interested in, starting from the ground up and being okay with being bad in the beginning until you get better and meet people that way is a really nice way to get started. Uh, oh. And then, you know, even if you end up meeting people through a dating app, you don't meet them in person, which is meeting in person is getting a lot harder nowadays. Um, well, I mean, not if you're in school, though. School is the easiest. Place. True. If, if you're younger, that's accurate. Um, but, you know, even if, you know, you're somebody who uh, is more comfortable meeting. I, frankly, I'm I was more comfortable meeting my wife through a dating app because we entered the. Uh, the date, knowing what it was. And there wasn't a lot of back and forth between, oh, does this person like me or do they not? That works See, better that, for me. That, that part's fun for me. I like that part. <laughs> sure. So it depends That's on who so you funny. are. But even if you get into something and you don't meet anybody through it, just knowing that you have something that you're passionate and confident about can be a really easy conversation starter to make dating less awkward too. So uh, yeah, it's absolutely. always good. Yeah. Uh, yeah well so anyway... Uh, we have now Candy, who's interested in Dipper, and uh, Dipper's feeling good about himself. Um, this moment's interrupted by Stan and Seuss, who managed to flip the house right side up. That's the next prank. Uh, and the group runs away as uh, a, a visitor says, wow, what a lovely normal home, and infuriating the owner. Yeah, which again, not a prank, totally just sabotaging this man's business. 100%. Um but Dipper tells Stan, wow, like the advice worked. And like you said, this is when he asks, should I email her right now? And Stan says, no, now's the time to practice. The more girls you talk to, the better you'll get at it. Um, Which Dipper again, not bad advice if you, do if you don't think too hard about it. You know what I mean? Which Dipper does not. Um, right. Because it's, it's true. Like, how do you get good at socializing? Do it. Practice. Talk to lots of people. I think that you don't need to flirt with lots of people though. That's the caveat. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to like think of women as, or men for that, for that matter, or anyone for that matter, as the object of your sexual desires. You know what I mean? Just talk to them as human beings and get good at talking to human beings and like as human beings and recognizing them for their own consciousness. And if you get practice doing that as friends, as coworkers, as Whatever level you see them at, if you can see a human being as a human being, even if there's like a wall of bureaucracy, like if you're buying coffee from Starbucks, you know, you don't have to flirt with somebody to get practice just being a nice, sociable human being. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's really good advice. Um, but is it as good of advice as Grunkle Stan is giving? Because Dipper says, your tips are priceless. And oh Stan God. says, that is just the tip of the advice, Berg. Um it's a good line. That's a good line. 
It is. And <laughs> Dipper got this girl's email and maybe flirted a little bit, but there was really no discussion whatsoever of there being an actual date or a relationship. Like he hasn't even asked this person on a date. So, um, nah, that's this, true. There was no clarification. Time, I don't think that he's doing something that's necessarily inherently wrong. I am definitely somebody who, you know, if I talk to somebody with the intention of maybe going on a date um, and it feels like that's mutually understood by both people, I am never going to talk to somebody else. But I think in this particular case, Dipper's not out of line. I would never expect that someone else would not do that, though, because dating is a practicing realm. You know what I mean? And some definitely. people... Some people approach it differently and different people have different backgrounds and emotions. And like, you know, if I went on a single date with someone and then on that date, they told me like, hey, I'm dating other people. I would not like maybe emotionally, I would be like, dang, that sucks. But I'm not going to be like mad at that person. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, because I think it comes down to the expectations and yeah, what you're telling the other people. You know, if this is, if you're trying to do it secretly, I think that's when it becomes manipulative. And, and again, Dipper's not dating these people, at least not this first person. I think the next ones are a little bit hazy. Um, yeah, I mean, also you're not, I don't think that you're also obligated to disclose all of your dating information on a first date either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's true because you're just getting to know a person. Yeah, like if somebody's like, hey, I want this to be like one-on-one -on -one only. If that if that condition is set, then you're in a position where you're either going to start lying to somebody or not. You should just be truthful always, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and But a first date is a time, I think, to potentially talk about what your values are to decide whether this is somebody worth pursuing further. So if somebody yeah. says, hey, this is a thing to me, then that might be important for you to know. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it depends, too, because some people will get turned off by you being like, so are we in a one on, or you know what I mean? Like, if on a first date, if somebody's like, so are we boyfriend, girlfriend now or whatever? Like, are we a couple? That might be pushing too far too fast because not everybody yeah. goes moves that fast. But some people do. I'm a fast mover usually. <laughs> sure. Well, let's talk about uh, Dipper's fast movement here as we get a montage uh, of yeah. the, the group pranking other roadside attractions while Dipper is flirting. So uh, we get two here. First of all, there's a place called Logland um, where Dipper gives a girl a long log on a stick. Uh, and we also see a log flume that the girls are riding. Um, and we later learn that Dipper also took this girl on kind of a romantic log ride in her view. Um, so yeah. that is, I think, a step further than maybe he went with the last girl. It's hard because we don't see it on screen. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe he's feeling his confidence a little bit more here. He's willing to go a little bit farther with it. Um, and you can tell that he's starting to feel himself a little bit. And we also see a corn maze where uh, we don't really see what he's doing. We only get like a very vague uh, image of him flirting uh, with this girl who later gets referred to as corn girl. Um, and, or corn maze girl, something like that. Uh, totally. And uh, that, that's the same place where Stan <clears throat> releases corn weevils in a corn maze. You know, I, I thought about this again, because if we're thinking, the way that it's portrayed in the show is definitely Dipper just like dating around and being kind of scummy about it. And obviously, like, we're supposed to sympathize with the, the girls feeling like they were cheated a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and TBH, like, I don't think there's any shame in, like, having a bunch of one-night stands, if that's what you want to do in your life. 
You know what I mean? If you're somebody okay. that doesn't want to be with somebody having one night stands, then you need to set that expectation for that person and yourself. Because you have no right to be mad at somebody if nothing was communicated. You know what I mean? It, it's sure, all about right. communication. And if none of these people communicated with Dipper, I mean, low key, <laughs> they don't really have that much of a reason to be mad. Like there were no expectations set. They, he didn't say he was going to only date any one of them for forever. You know? Right. From, from what we saw. Um, totally. From what we saw. And we also probably see a bunch more of these instances off screen because there's an image later where he's got like phone numbers all over his body. I also uh, want to make the clarification. I know Dipper's not having one night stands. I, I felt like I didn't need to clarify that, but maybe <laughs> I did. So I am. Basically, you're just uh, saying that dating can mean a lot of different things to different people. And the best that you can do is communicate the way that you're interested in doing it. Exactly. Uh, and Set it doesn't expectation. seem yeah. like they were even at a point, any of them, where expectations were being set uh and also god okay last tip not true uh don't say don't use the loaded term so what are we i hate that so what really? are we yeah because you're trying to label something that not might not have a label you know what i mean it's like because sure. it, it puts it and it puts the awkward precedent on whoever you asked to come up with an answer when you didn't have an answer you asked them you okay, actually, I, mean? I think that's fair. But I do think just the general discussion of defining a relationship does matter. It, it just, it's the way that you go about it, maybe. But that means you should declare what you want, not ask what the other person wants. I think that's fair, rather than try to bait them into sort of giving their answer. Yeah, so that you can feel around how they feel to give a more cultivated answer than they were allowed to give because you just put them on the spot, you know? Okay, I think that's fair, yeah. So... Anyway, uh, we have... Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I should mention that at the log place, Stan released a beaver on it to basically <laughs> d dismantle the whole thing. And at the corn maze, he released corn weevils to destroy the whole corn maze. Uh, unfortunately, not a good enough job because Seuss gets left in the corn maze. Fully uh, intact, I will say. Yes, which stays intact from what we see. Um, and he's like, they'll come back for me. Spoiler no. alert, they don't come back for Seuss. Yeah, shocker. I, I actually thought that was maybe one of the lazier Seuss jokes. Maybe it's just because we're so far into Gravity Falls that my expectation is like, well, yeah, of course they're just going to leave Seuss. And in a way, it almost felt lazy just compared to what these writers are capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah, poor Seuss. Poor Seuss. Uh, so we sort of move forward from all that montage. Stan, and by the way, Two scenes is not a montage. I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get a third roadside attraction in this set. Wow. <laughs> You're not wrong. I was getting my notes ready. Okay, I'm going to have a montage, make sure to catch all the different places that they go. And it was done after two. I'm like, wait a minute. There aren't really that many roadside attractions. And none of the ones that are famous are all that interesting from the get-go. <laughs> I guess so. Um, but anyway, Grungle Stan is now sharing stories in a hot tub at septic ridge rv park okay so, i just want to say as somebody who's done road tripping in oregon that is a very real thing not the septic ridge part probably but uh there's lots of oregon hot springs that i've gone to on road trips before that is like a totally legit thing and that's oh, actually that's cool. i consider that one of the attractions that they went to fair enough uh and dipper and stan are having a really nice chat dipper says this is one of the best days he's had in gravity falls or i guess on this trip yeah um Says he got so many phone numbers, and Stan says, ah, that's the Stan Pines method, kid. Works every time. Um, but he's asking, 
I'm just a bit worried. Is it bad to flirt with this many girls? I'm just trying to get over Wendy. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, Good Sam says, ah, the best part of this road trip is that you'll never see him again. This is where I hard disagree uh, with Stan's logic. Like that should not be the reason that you're doing this because you feel like you can just do it and get away with it. I think that's, that's unethical. Again, I think it's only unethical if you don't communicate that. Like if you want to go on a road trip and like date around on your road trip, nothing wrong with that. Just tell the people like, Hey, I'm traveling. Like I can't, this is never going to be a serious thing. I'm just trying to have fun on my road trip. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the communication's tricky. Um, no, it's not. You, you know. just say that in words. Easy. If they don't like it, then they leave. And then you just, you know, you just move on. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, and if someone says that to you and you don't like it, then just leave. <laughs> that's true. Again, I think that getting... You're an adult getting, human being. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I think that getting a phone number because you're interested in getting to know somebody better isn't necessarily that requires much more communication. Um Oh, I see. I guess the getting the phone number part. Again, I'm thinking more of just like hanging out and going on a date with someone while you're on a road trip, which is different to me. Sure, you're right. And I think that that's what's unclear is how much... uh, The only date we really see Dipper go on on screen is the date with Candy. Actually, okay, here's here's an argument against Dipper. Getting everyone's communication information is leading them on because you are implying that you want to continue communications in a somewhat romantic way. That is true. And even if not romantic, you may just ghost these people and never reach out. And I think that that's not I don't think that's cool. Yeah, I don't think that's cool. Even if you get their phone number and then because you're too insecure to say it in person, which is lame, I think. Is it unethical? Maybe not, but it's lame, at least. You know what I mean? Don't get someone's number just to tell them you don't want to date them not face-to-face. You know what I mean? Just just say it. I do think that that's the biggest problem with this, is that he's getting a bunch of communication... Uh, w- without intention of actually reaching out to the people. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're going to do that, you really ought to explain what yeah. your current situation is. Yeah, just be like, I'm I'm traveling. I, I can't really, I'm not looking for a distance relationship. I'm just trying to go on some dates and meet some fun people and have a good time. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, and you can have a lovely time with somebody with that as your expectation. And like you said, if that's not their preference, then... Then they, they don't, don't have to. Give you the phone number, but yeah, and it, then you right. should not be salty at them if they're not into that. True. Um, so Stan is now starting to maybe give some bad advice. Uh, but meanwhile, Mabel, Candy, and Grenda are roasting some marshmallows and playing Truth or Dare. And Mabel I don't know asks, "Why? If, I I what? really like this scene. Like, I just think that it's really sweet that they're like under the stars, hanging out by a campfire. I, that's a vibe that I really resonate with." I love camping. I love, you know, sitting under the stars, going to bed at under the stars. Uh, that really, that really hits for me. So I thought that was a really fun, it like touched a, a really like joyous part of my life, I guess. You're right. My favorite part of this uh, episode is just, uh, you know, it is kind of just like a fun, youthful summer camp experience. They're going out. Yeah. They're having, I agree. you know, I don't know. It reminds me of our summers a little bit, even though, you know, I never dated anybody. <laughs> just uh the also we never of... went camping growing up well okay i guess so but I, I guess i'm talking about gravity falls specifically and um Fair. actually i did go uh camping a couple times with friends who invited me it was like not true camping where we were in the woods but like we took an rv to a campground and you know went out on the water and stuff like that that's cool i yeah. love camping i've gone camping more times than i can tell stories about True. So definitely anyway, not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mabel, Candy, and Grenda are chatting. They're starting to play Truth or Dare. 
Mabel asks Candy if she likes someone. And uh, Candy says, well, maybe, but it just started. And she admits it starts with a D and ends in an Ipper. And Mabel and Grenda shriek. Yeah. I Also, I love how supportive Mabel is in this moment. Because classic sister tactic would be like, dude, you don't want to date my brother. That's a cringe decision. You know what I That's mean? That's true. Instead, she says, all my life dreams are coming true. This is everything that I want. Which is weird for me, but like still kind <laughs> of supportive. And I, I I appreciated the take. Sure. Grenda's so excited she can't breathe. Candy says, you know, he seems less sweaty and more charming lately. Uh, but she doesn't know how to approach him. Luckily, Mabel has a plan. And uh, that sets up our next little plot here. So RV drives away. Stan says that everything else has been a walk in the park compared to the next attraction they are about to visit, which is Mystery Mountain. Cool. Uh, it is five times the size of the Mystery Shack and has real attractions, so he says. Um, Candy has read about this in her pamphlet. It's got a sky tram, a mummy museum, and a half-human, half-spider creature or creatures. Um, cool. And uh, Stan says even their made-up legends are better than the shacks. Wow. Wow, that's actually... Wait, that's hilarious. That's it's weird so because for so many reasons. He also says it has real attractions, but then says their made-up legends are better. So I don't know if by real attractions he just means real good attractions is what he's trying to say. So he says, today the mountain falls. Uh, Mabel and Grenda say they are car sick and need to move seats as they're driving, uh, which is a lie. Uh, instead, they grab Dipper, put him on the seat with Candy right next to each other as she blushes and then scoots closer. <laughs> this is where it gets a little bit crazy. This is where it gets a little not great. <laughs> she wonders if Dipper wants to walk around the mountain with her today. Uh, and Dipper says, oh, uh, sure. Wasn't that already the plan? And she says, oh, just you and me, Candy and Dipper. And then the brakes hit and they've arrived. Uh, we get there, and yeah. Paul Bunyan and his blue ox have statues, if you know the tale of Paul Bunyan. Stan offers $5 to whoever can tip the ox. Do you uh, know the tale of Paul Bunyan? I don't know the tale of Paul Bunyan. So, I know who Paul Bunyan is, and I know about his blue ox, but I would be very hard-pressed to tell you what the story is about, to be honest. Cool. I assume he just, he's just... Nah, never mind, I won't say that. <laughs> he's a big mountain man that I know was known for some kind of deforestation, but that was considered heroic in the story. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no. So, anyway, uh, as the others uh, go over to tip the ox, Dipper says to Stan that everything he taught him worked too well. He just thinks Candy asked him on a date. And Stan's proud, but Dipper is nervous. He says, Candy is sweet and smart, but I never thought of her like that. And it's just moving way too fast. I need to be honest and say I'm not ready. Um, and Stan now pushes Dipper uh, toward maybe dating somebody that he's not sure about. Is like, Nah, your Wendy obsession's getting in the way. If you want to get over her, you have to say yes to whatever comes your way. Again, bad advice. Terrible. That's really bad advice. That's the worst advice he gives, maybe. Yeah, I agree. If you're not feeling something, there's no... Like, I understand the perspective of like, hey, I don't know if I'm feeling this, but I still want to try for a minute. Again, if it's communicated. But like, if you're literally like, no, I don't like this person. Like... No, like is it i mean i feel like that's probably obvious right for yeah, most people I, I remember one time i was in middle school and a friend of mine said yes to somebody that he was not interested in dating and then literally maybe two hours later was like no i'm sorry i just felt bad about saying no and i'm sorry that i said yes in the first place and so so, so bad much worse 
not, you know, exactly. You know, of course, uh, the girl was upset and her friends came for him and he deserved it. Very similar to how uh, Grenda and Mabel actually end up reacting in this episode. Yeah, I, I'm never about, unless somebody really wrongs somebody, I'm never about like coming for them. I mean, there are some things that if I'm your homie, I'll go kick that guy's teeth in for you. But Okay, well, you I know. think that's the thing, though, right? Sometimes you're just a supportive friend, and you will stand by your friend no matter what. I, I, I guess that's fair. I think that, like, coming for somebody because they're socially awkward isn't necessarily... Depending on how awkward the situation ended up being, but, like... You know, I, I think that one sounded pretty innocent. You know what I mean? Like, maybe reason to be a little upset, but not reason to send your friends to go, like, attack the guy. Well, sure. And, uh, obviously, your kids, you're making mistakes. You're yeah. just doing stupid yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. I, I don't blame. Yeah, whatever. Do it. Do what you got to do. I get it. <laughs> they were right. Like, just say no. It's yeah. so much less and painful. You could be nice when you say no. Like, hey, I think I, I don't want this to affect your. This is my my favorite line to say. I don't want this to affect your self. Um, not confidence, but um. I don't want this to, there's a specific phrase that I'm thinking of. It's like, I don't want this to impact your image. You're like self-image or whatever, or like how, you know, how you feel about yourself. You know, I don't want this to negatively impact. There's a specific phrase I'm thinking of, but I just can't remember, but I don't want this to negatively impact your, like how you feel about yourself, because I think that you are a really cool person. I just don't have that spark and wouldn't want to lead you on. Yeah. I mean, it's like and, such a uh, reasonable thing to say. Or just say you're gay. No, I'm just kidding. Or just say you're straight. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Whatever's antonym to who he's asking you. I guess so. I I'm I mean, uh, that's not, that's not real honest. advice. That's grunk. Yeah, that's Grunkle Stan. Well, yeah, if it's honest. Yeah, obviously, if it's honest. <laughs> uh, so Grunkle Stan talks to the ticket clerk at the ticket booth, and her name is Darlene. Uh, Stan is trying to show uh, Dipper why uh, he's good at this. He's like, hey, I seem to have lost your number. Can I borrow yours? She says, oh, you're a riot. We don't usually get men that this handsome around these parts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Stan says, between you and me, what I'm doing here is a little secret. Uh, and she says, oh, I like a man with secrets. Uh, and Dipper is watching this like, wow, amazing work in action. Bravo. So good. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 at face value, it would look like that. She's about to go on a break and asks, hey, I uh, want to go up to the Sky Tram on Widow's Peak. Uh, also, and, uh, Widow's Peak, hilarious. So good. Uh, Stan tells Dipper, hey, take my advice or don't, but clearly I know what I'm doing. And uh, he goes up to Widow's Peak with this uh, very nice seeming woman. Yeah, she's a spider person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She's a spider person, everybody. Widow's Peak, that's the joke. Yeah. It's, um, it's literally spiders are everywhere going up to this thing. So as he goes up there, uh, Candy and Dipper do go on a date. They walk into Mummy Town, USA together. Uh, yep. Mabel and Grenda are watching as Mabel wonders, I wonder what they will name their child. And uh, Grenda says something that's very me, actually. She's like, I'd name her Grenda 2, the sequel. That's pretty funny. That's <laughs> so funny. It's so I'm always like, I want to name my kid Alec Jr. And I don't mean it, but I'm I think glad. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a cute idea. I don't mean to, to like, diss on people who are like, my name's been John for six generations. I also like to joke about fake names that I would never actually use. I was like, hey, everybody, I really want my kid's name to be Harbor. Why, why, like, you don't like the name Harbor? I love the name Harbor. Is there, like, a joke? I just think that that would be a fine name for a child. 
I don't, I don't like just because like 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 you don't like because it's a is there like a joke? Sort of. So I I threw this out there to uh, my friend group, and they're just like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, and it's a whole thing. Oh, Alec wants to name his kid Harbor. Uh, I don't think that's I, that bad. I know there's so many worse names. Yeah, I'm like that's that's fine. It doesn't sound like a like. For me, your your rule of thumb for naming a kid is it shouldn't sound like a curse word. It shouldn't sound like a dirty word. And, you know, because, I mean, you're trying to, to save your child. If, if they're in the American school system, you need to know that you're going to get bullied, right? Even if you're popular, you're still going to get bullied. Um, So don't name them like, I don't know, like Dick. <laughs> <laughs> don't name him richard it doesn't it's just there was a time when richard works this is not that time i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah it's weird that dick is shortened to richard in the first place but if, if it is if somebody knew that richard was your name they would eventually pick up the fact that oh we can call our friend richard dick yeah like but if you i don't harbor i don't know you dock there is that is that what it is that sounds like a fine know. name i think it's fine i think it's preferable anyway uh, so they're in this mummy place and, uh, Dipper is confused by the phrase new mummies daily that they are advertising. <laughs> Little hint there. Uh, he's like, how does that even work? Um, and as this is happening, all of the girls that we saw in the montage walk up and they happen to be in the same place. Which is pretty silly, all things considered, but like, it gives you the message. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I think um, Emma Sue walks in and is like, wow, you'll never guess where my mom gave birth. So it maybe wasn't Canada. Uh, maybe it was like right on the border and they're going to have a weird problem. Oh, that's interesting. I wish that we got that answer. Me um, too. We also get the girl from the log ride who shows up and asked, did our romantic log ride mean anything to you? Uh, so again, I think confirmation that, now that's a valid question, which clearly was not established. Right. You know what I so mean? That seems a little bit more... Uh, like a date, I think. Um, then Corn Maze Girl is there too. Uh, I think that she <laughs> that's really all we get for the fact that her name is Corn Maze Girl. Um, yeah, and she was there, yeah. Candy's mad that he agreed to date her and is seeing all these other girls again. Questionable whether he's seeing these people. Um, but also, I think it's pretty valid for Candy to be upset about this, really. I guess well, with, Dipper did say yes, knowing that he didn't like her, and that that's a problem. Well, I, I also think sometimes it's okay to be upset and also feel like the person was technically in the right. You know, I'd be upset. Really? You know, I don't, I don't I think I liked this be. person. We went on a date, and then it turns out they've been dating these people. I'm not even necessarily saying it's wrong, but I would be upset. Not, really? I'm not saying that I would, like, direct vitriol toward them, but I would be sad. Like, I'd be bummed out. Like, well, that sucks. I'd be bummed, but that'd be the extent of it. I don't know. Again, I, I, I just... I don't stuff like that doesn't just never in my whole life has hit me that hard. You know what I mean? I'm definitely more Have along never... the lines of, wow, I deserve better than that. And that's okay. when I move on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, that's just not that's not something that I'm interested because that it's just such a turnoff for me. You know what I mean? So I have no attachment to that person after an experience like that. I see that. I used to have a big problem uh, when I was in grade school about becoming emotionally invested with somebody before I was dating them. Right. Oh. And <laughs> Yeah, that's it's not, like it's not a great, not a great choice. Of course not. No, and highly not recommended to anybody. You know, you yeah. sort of, again, you grow out of these these things as an adult a lot of the time. But I mean, emotions um, are complicated. Just because I'm naturally that way doesn't mean it's easy for everyone to be. 
Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I, you know, I'm more saying it to depict the difference between you and I, especially growing up where, um, you know, it's not that um, I would see it's, it was it's not some weird warped thing where I would see it like, oh, this person dated somebody. That means they're cheating on me. Like I wasn't obsessed in a weird, yeah, yeah, like yeah. non normal way. way. Yeah, right. All, all I mean to say is that um, if I was interested in one person, I would never be interested in another person. So, you know, if we were to go on a date if that had ever happened i think that no if i'd found out that they were also going on dates with other people i do think that it would have bothered me a lot yeah that's fair but you wouldn't be like mad at them mm, when you're a kid sometimes wow. you act irrationally i don't wow. know it's hard for me to say i never was in the situation but i'm you know i, I i've learned a lot since childhood alec you know i'm a very different that's person fair. now that i was growing up you know we're if talking you, middle school high school if, if you are a young person you got a long life ahead of you probably so good yeah. luck <laughs> yeah and a lot of new opportunities to meet a lot more people and um i really do believe that there can be somebody out there for everybody um yeah so anyway um we basically see this date collapse around dipper um Candy says, Dipper Pines, I thought you were a nice guy, but I guess you only care about yourself. She walks away. Um, now, Dipper goes to find Stan here because he feels like Stan will know what to do. Uh, and that's when we get Stan in this giant spider forest with yeah. Darlene. Yeah. Uh, he tells Darlene that spider people stuff is just urban legend and he can't believe anybody falls for that. Uh, she says oh you're so brave i agree oh my god uh, you know i thought that this was character i thought this character was like a parody of dolly pardon but i wasn't gonna say it and then you said her name was darlene and i'm like wait a minute i think that that's actually got that's confirmation for me for some reason i don't think so i don't really, really? see it the accent's very different like the difference is like new york versus country I think that they would go harder on the accent. That's fair. It's just, it's at a weird attraction in, I guess, I guess you're right. I see what you're, you're thinking like Dollywood, potentially. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I see that. But Dollywood is more of like a, an amusement park than a roadside attraction place. So I, I get where you could get there, but I'm not sure if I see it. Well, but as he said, this place has actual attractions. True. Um, <laughs> well, Dolly Parton or not, she is a spider. And uh, her eyes change all of a sudden. And he's like, yeah. I think your contacts fall out. And then we hear a spider sound as Grunkle Stan screams. So Dipper's looking around. He can't find Stan, but he is able to eventually get a uh, message from a walkie-talkie, uh, which I guess Stan has on hand. And uh, he says, hey, so Dipper, sometimes my technique leads to unexpected consequences. Good news. I solved the mysteries of where organs of mummies come from. Bad news. I'm about to become one. Uh, and he tells Dipper, uh, Darlene is one of the spider people, but beyond that, the date's been okay. I mean, you know, could be worse. <laughs> True. I've been on worse dates. <laughs> uh, it's a lot to take in for Dipper. Uh, he asks Stan how he couldn't just tell she was a spider, and he said he was blinded by flattery. Um, Which is but he tells funny. Dipper, Yeah, he tells Dipper where he is, and he leaves to find him. And just in time, too, because Darlene grabs the walkie-talkie from Stan... She asks, trying to escape? Uh, and he says, you tricked me. I'm 80% certain you don't really love me at all. That was one of the funniest lines of the episode for me. Yeah. Still hanging just, on to hope. Just a little bit. Uh, and she says that Stan's blind spot is overconfidence. Men will fall for anything. Um, and he's hurt that she didn't mean her compliments, but she says, before I transformed, who do you think was in charge? And 
I actually yeah. like this little bit of commentary here with th this spider woman is here to trap overconfident men who are making up fake compliments to pick up women. Uh, yeah. And that's very horror movie, honestly. Yeah, it is. It is. It reminds me of, uh, reminds me of a lot of horror movies that I've thought were either good or funny. <laughs> um, and uh, so she says she's the ma a master pickup artist too. And uh, this time you're getting used for your body. Um, again, which is a really good line also. It, it is really good. Uh, and she slips into something more horrifying. A full spider. Really creepy transformation, too. She, like, pulls Darlene, like, the human Darlene forms mouth open and, like, emerges straight out of it. And, like, it was pretty creepy. I was impressed. It, it was pretty scary. Uh, she asks, I wonder what beverage pairs well with a vintage 70-year-old, 70-something-year-old man. And then she leaves. Yeah. Uh, so, meanwhile, Candy is being consoled by Grenda and Mabel. Dipper runs to them for help. But, of course, immediately Mabel and Grenda are like, you suck! Um, and he's like, okay, I am so sorry about everything, but Stan's in trouble and you can kill me later. And they appropriately are like, oh, shit. that sounds like, uh, oh, yeah, I, I cursed before you in an episode. Hey, aha. I don't know if I've cursed in this episode. We may have missed you it. You have not. But you're probably right. Wow. Okay. Uh, congratulations. So, uh, anyway, they run off uh, up to the giant spider forest. Um, Grunkle Stan is praying to Paul Bunyan. He's like, I don't know if you're really up there, but if you are, please save me. And then he hears Grenda's voice. He goes, wow, that really worked. Yeah, exactly. It's it's great. They unwrap him from the web. And he says, quick, before the rest of the venom sets in. I guess implying that he got bitten. Uh, I don't Which know. also, why didn't we see that kick in later if he actually was bitten? Yeah, kind of strange. Um, Darlene comes back, but they have already escaped. And she chases them to the Sky Tram as Candy says that she has a plan. The world's slowest sky tram, which was also very funny. Also, we found yes. out it was a jumping spider. That's right, because we get into the tram and audio comes on to say, wow, welcome to the world's slowest tram ride, which, by the way, I would be so here for. I love the idea of just being oh able God. to enjoy the tram for a while, sit in there and enjoy the sights as I go down. I agree, but I still like it to be fast. I'd still enjoy as, the sights. As long as the spider's not chasing me, a jumping spider. So uh, hear me out, everyone. I know a lot of people are afraid of spiders, and a lot of spiders are pretty scary. But jumping spiders are absolutely adorable. I have jumping spiders where I live, and they get into my house, and I just let them stay because they are so cute with their big old eyes. I love jumping spiders. That's awesome. Uh, I don't. So wow, <laughs> they freak me out. Um, spiders especially this jumping spider who makes she makes it to the tram station and literally jumps between cable cars until she reaches them. And she starts wrapping the car in the web. So Candy says, hey, I've been reading a guide and it says there's an emergency drop switch below. And uh, <laughs> this is very, very, how do I say this? Uh, I wrote down Candy becomes Jimmy Neutron for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so she seems to have a really good read on how this is going to go. Below is Oregon's largest Paul Bunyan statue and the old reliable geyser goes off in five seconds. So she right, reaches out to pull the lever. Coincidentally, right beneath where they happen to be. Thank God. That's right. She pulls out the lever and her timing is perfect. They fall to the geyser right when it bursts. And then it spits and bounces them off several different times in several different directions. Until it eventually knocks the, out the ticket booth that is sitting under giant Paul Bunyan's foot. And then it stomps Darlene as she shows up right behind them. Dude, that's impeccable than, timing that's harder than hitting a bullet through a thermal exhaust port by using the force <laughs> yeah it's uh quite contrived but it's kind of funny because of how contrived it is um i didn't mind it stan calls candy Fine. 
Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Sam calls Candy ingenious, and uh, she says that she used the travel pamphlets to know how it would work, proving oh, Wendell stand wrong again. That's why they said that at the beginning of the episode. That's Sorry. right. Uh, Darlene... That was, that was a little hammy to me, too. But it was fine. I like it. It's a cartoon, that... still. Yeah, maybe a little heavy-handed. That's all right. No, um, no, I can't say that. Don't say, ah, whatever, it's a cartoon. We take our cartoon seriously here. Cartoons can be some of the best art ever with the most consistency. Right, this one doesn't have to all the time, though. <laughs> Not all the time. Sometimes things are fun because they're cartoony. Um, yeah. You hope for consistency. I don't think that this is out of the line of what Gravity Falls delivers. I would, I would refrain from saying, ah, it's a cartoon, from saying, ah, it's got a comedy subgenre. Okay, I mean, but saying the word cartoony, I feel like, is an adjective for Looney Tunes. Like, you know, it's bounce yeah. off the walls a little but bit really, zany. That's just slapstick at the end of the day, right? It's I guess like that's true. Because you even would call you would call like uh, old Marx cartoons cartoony by that logic, but those existed before Lo Looney Tunes. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know if there were Marx Brothers cartoons, but you just mean the live action. Oh, did I say cart? I meant old Marx Brothers, like, movies, like, short films. Yeah, by that definition, I kind of would call them cartoony, but I guess zany is a better word. I mean, I guess I more so mean, like, maybe cartoony. I I, I just feel like people use the word cartoony to, like... To uh, demean cartoons sometimes, and you don't want to give not, that association. Not intentionally. I think it's, like, a, a subtle thing, right? Like, oh, if something's cartoony, it means we don't have to take it seriously. You know what I mean? We don't have to judge it to the high standard of other art forms. You know what That's I mean? That's a really good point. Yeah, and I, we don't, I, I don't want it necessarily. Yeah, and I, I don't like that just because, like, if you watch anime specifically, it's, like, some of, like, oh, my God, some of the best things you'll ever see. Paprika's my, one of my favorite films of all time. Of sure. any genre. No, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah. We don't want to uh, put animation in a lesser category just by being animation. Exactly. Um, and I a million percent agree with that. Uh in this case, it's more that I think that the way the physics work in the Gravity Falls universe, um, this holds up to me because sometimes they are very hand heavy-handed about their humor. Very true. But like like with the Seuss joke being a little heavy-handed. Right. Uh, so at this point, Darlene turns back into a human, tries to convince Stan to stay one more time, which almost works. Uh yeah. Before she turns back into a spider and the kids are like, whoa, dude, stop. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. I almost forgot. Good commentary. Colleen <laughs> says, as long as there's men like him with their dumb one-liners and pickup moves, she'll never run out of prey. And she's probably right. Yeah. I, I thought that was a fantastic line that actually, like, for me, made this whole episode make so much sense for how it was written. You know what I mean? Like, it, wow, this, yeah. this whole moral is that, like, if you think you're being the pickup artist, there's a great chance that, like... Not only is it just not cool most of the time, but you're going to walk into a situation where you're getting used, you know? Definitely. And I will say that what I do think the Gravity Falls writers were going for were to turn Dipper into a bit of a mini pickup artist. And yeah, totally. I think the reason that I say that what Dipper did was not so bad is because I honestly don't think that the writers necessarily nailed that point home. Like, I don't think that I saw Dipper as being this crazy pickup artist in this episode. But yeah. I'm very much in agreement that if that's kind of the route that he was going for, then he deserved to get eaten by a spider. And uh, the last tip of the episode from me is don't dehumanize people by thinking of them as marks to sleep with, because that's messed up. You know, even if you set that intention, like everyone's a human being and has feelings. And even if you do want a one night stand, 
still recognize that that's a human being that you're with and that they deserve respect regardless of your intentions you know uh yeah 100 percent agreed and you know what when you said that i wonder if dipper really was oh wait, okay i'm about to change my tune i do think that what he was doing was messed up but you already mentioned the phone number thing yeah but that made me kind of realize dipper was seeing all of these people as tools for practice that's true well, uh, I'd say the first one, not as much. I because... think that's true. I think that's true. It got carried away once he started getting better at it. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, don't think of, like, getting the phone number or getting in bed with the person as the goal. That's messed up. They're a human being, not not an object to achieve. You know what I mean? Shoot, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry, everybody. I know how much I, we've talked about this in this episode. I am changing my tune a little bit here. I... I do feel like that is the biggest problem here. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I still think that practice is good, you know? Sure, you're right. I mean, just practicing talking to people. But I think that it did end up turning into Dipper sort of doing what... Maybe the writers did hit it. Maybe this yeah. is kind of what he was doing a little bit, was thinking about this as a number. And the point that you just made about you don't want to be thinking of people as a number, it is sort of what he did a little bit. Yeah, and when you're like commute, when I said that communication makes it better, that doesn't mean you should say like, "Hey, just so you know, I'm totally going to use you." Are you cool with that? <laughs> no, that's not. I know you're communicating, and like that's better than just like doing it without communicating, I guess. But like, no, like be like, "Hey, I'm practicing, and I want to treat you with respect, so I'm letting you know that I'm practicing, and that I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm just trying to get better at talking to people." You know? Sure. Uh. Yeah, I guess just the more transparency, the better. And uh, yeah. in this case, the transparency was lost. Dipper, what? Oh, man. It's weird that it took me this long to get here. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we needed to have the full conversation to really hit where the narrative point was. And maybe that's kind of the point of the episode. Maybe at the end, you are supposed to realize, oh, yeah, like some of this stuff is ambiguous. But at the end of the day, like, you know, using people is obviously not okay but yeah it's it's it also comes down to your intentions and it feels like his intentions were not super pure yeah i mean if, we're, if i mean take a little eastern philosophy into it let's just pretend for the sake of metaphysical argument that we are all one consciousness you are treating yourself that way you know what i mean that is you oh. in in your consciousness and another human being assuming that we are all one and all that stuff and uh if that is the case it, and it's not the same as, like, would you like to be treated that way? Because a lot of douchey guys are like, yeah, I'd love to get used for sex. That sounds awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> and there, there are people that say that. And it's like, okay, well, you're thinking of yourself from your perspective. Think of yourself from their perspective. Like, you've lived their, your whole life as them. And if they wouldn't like that, then you should respect that. Man, uh, th this has been a wild conversation for the episode. Um, yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. I'm Holistic interested relationship here. philosophy 101. Honestly, I do think that the ethics of this episode are really complicated, and if people in the Discord feel like sharing their thoughts, I'd really open a discussion or welcome a discussion on this one if people have more thoughts about how Dipper's behavior was in this episode and where that morality line can be walked. Um, at the end of the day, I after talking it through, I think he took it too far. Um, but I think so. At, at first, I, I, I understood the, I need to learn how to do this, I need to get more confident. 
Um, I still think that's fine. Still, but again, like you don't have to date people to get confident talking to people. You could just talk sure, to and people, you know? Again, and I will say, we're not even at the very end of the moral here because uh, we do see the RV take off at the end and Dipper is feeling a bit bad about wrecking the tourist traps, which is separate. Um, oh yeah, that's and, right. <laughs> Stan does not uh, until he sees the mystery shack vandalized. Um, yeah, he shows up like, and my 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 actions with these pranks have no consequences, just like Dipper's theoretically didn't, which was a great yeah. way to tie it all together. Right, so he's like, I don't deserve this with all of these uh, other roadside people sabotaging this place. Uh, Dipper isn't worried about cleanup, uh, but Mabel says Seuss will take care of it. Um, and then, our, of course, our end credit scene is Seuss still oh, in the corn maze. He yeah. hasn't moved. Of course. Uh, and I guess I skipped ahead of what I was about to talk about. Um, but we we get this trip back on the RV where uh, Dipper is sadly running, rubbing the phone numbers off of his arm. Oh, and yeah. Stan admits to him, look, kid, I'm actually no expert on women. I've been divorced once and slapped more times than I can remember. Confidence can buy you a lot, but pickup artists tend to get their heads bitten off. Um, and, you know, that's, it's kind of true. Confidence can buy you a lot is, I think, what the moral is sort of supposed to be. And yet yeah. you can't take that so far that you are being rude to people or playing with their trust or frankly just, you know, treating them like a number, like you said. Yeah. Treat, treat people um, like people. You don't you don't yeah. want to just be another footnote in someone else's story, you know? Right. You want to be a whole uh, chapter. There you, you go. <laughs> Dipper says, hey, it's all right. We're both failures. You know, even though your dating tips were bad, I didn't think about Wendy all day. And you did teach me to be more confident. I just need to use the power for good. Um, and yeah. at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to say, too, is find your way to be confident and then be confident and nice. Not and, too... and respect people. Your own confidence is not necessarily the only the only message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, if there was a third C, I think it would be consent. Oh, I like that better. Me too. Having uh, a big cock is important. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. There's always the fourth C. Yeah. <laughs> not for everyone. Um, so... <laughs> He goes to Candy because he still needs to apologize for what he did. And he gave he gives her a pamphlet and says, a loser's attempted an apology. And uh, she accepts the apology, says the open road makes people do crazy things. And after watching it flee the spider like a baby, I kind of lost interest anyway. Uh, he says he deserves that. And then that kind of closes the loop on that. Yeah. See, that's that's kind of where I'm at with like feelings like this. Like, Candy just moved on immediately. She's like, I mean, granted, that's partially for the plot to progress of the story, but, like, because we can't have Candy have a whole, you know, fawning over Dipper for the rest of the series, because that would yeah. be weird with everything else going on. But, uh, you know, I, I think Candy did the mature thing, and it's just like, yeah, like, you're kind you kind of turned me off with all that stuff anyway, so. Yeah, well, and honestly, good on her for not pursuing it anyway, you know, because there could be a world where she's like, oh, I'm just going to forgive that, you know, you did something that's like not what I would want. You know, it's not part of my values. Um, and forgiveness is fine. Um, and it depends on what people like. But I think the idea here is that Candy had values that were clearly different than the ones that Dipper was expressing. And she realized yeah. that right off the bat. And it's like, okay, maybe this just isn't a person that I should date and was able to be responsible and mature about that. Yep. Well said. Uh, who gets your points this episode? I gave Candy two. 
Me too. I loved Candy I, in this episode. I thought I, I was. I'm just really happy when side characters get a lot more like you know spotlight. Um, this is also the voice. I don't know if anyone knows, but she's the voice actor of Bimo from Adventure Time, and yep. uh, I love hearing the voice actor for Bimo, voice actress for Bimo from Adventure Time, and I think that her delivery is really incredible. I think the way that she gives an extremely unique uh, character with how she delivers her lines and like how she is kind of awkward, but kind of sweet. And, uh, you know, it's just so much personality and being a good side character is hard because you have so much less time to make an emotional connection with, with the audience. Um, so I, I really just wanted to give her those points because she did such a killer job as a voice actress. Um, yeah. I'm with you, and I think that uh, this is easily the strongest Candy episode. We get the most content from her, and I think it's nice to have this episode so that we have at least one where her character was explored a little bit more and we see her value. You know, it's a great moment when she is able to solve this problem for the group at the end, in spite of all the heartbreak she just felt. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I loved it. What about your one point? I had a hard time with this. I gave it to Dipper still, because um, okay. I... The thing is, Homedog is, like, what, 13, 14, one of those two? 12, one of them? Yeah. Um, and that is a hard age to be practicing this stuff. And it's not going to go well. You are going to mess up and accidentally, excuse me, um, you know, dehumanize somebody probably. You know, because people are learning to be human beings at that age. They're learning how to socialize and, like, you know, your, your consciousness is blooming into the flower that is adulthood. And, like, it's not always an easy thing and it takes messing up and figuring out what messing up even looks like um and seeing that explored is just so impressive to me and how they did it and i even if you don't make the right decisions it makes people think about it and that's the most important part you know you know i i nearly gave it to dipper as well for that um because i am uh i'm happy to see it explored this way the, the thing that held me back, I, I think it's good that he got one from uh, at least one of us because it is it is important, is just that at the end of the day, he did still make a lot of people upset. And That's I true. think probably behaved in some not great ways, um, even though he was trying. He had, bad, uh, he had bad examples that he was learning from, though. And let's be honest, that's where all this stuff comes from. It's like, you know, crap chivalry that we learn from media. <laughs> right and that's why i can't give it to stan um i didn't <laughs> feel like mabel and uh grenda had that big of roles in this episode even though grenda had a couple lines that made me laugh so i actually yeah. gave my other one to darlene i was um, thinking about that too actually because darlene was a good villain yeah she was good nice creepy spider character give us some uh good spooky imagery for the show but more than anything i sort of liked the symbolic representation of you know these pickup artist men yeah. getting you know the the tides Crap. turned on them and becoming mummies in Oregon. like it's a dark concept yeah but it's kind of a cool creative idea like i like what her character represents you know i sometimes it made me wonder if the black widow thing was like in in an analogy for like marriage oh <laughs> i could be wrong but like you know what a black widow stereotypically is as somebody whose their husbands have died a lot under mysterious circumstances oh that's interesting see i associate the black widow brigade with survivor survivor fans out there oh my gosh <laughs> that's all i think about 
And they were the best women's alliance in Survivor history. I believe it. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, what are we doing for Journal 4 today? All right, everybody, I know that you're wondering. Spider-Man from the MCU, and I'm just going to say it now, 10 out of 10 real. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I've been sitting on that I... joke this whole episode. <laughs> I was, okay, I had a couple ideas. What do you think about, oh, no, that's very zombie-like. I was the wondering Jabba about- The Fofi? What? The Jabba Fofi? I don't know What's if that's that? how it's pronounced. Um, it's a giant Congolese spider from the Democratic Oh my Republic gosh. Of Congo. Yeah. What? Wait, is this a cryptid? Yeah, this is a real cryptid. Look it up. It's spelled oh. J, J apostrophe B-A space <laughs> Fofi, F-O-F-I. Okay. Wow, in the cryptid wiki, look at you. Okay. Uh <laughs> Okay, here we go. Okay. The Jabo Fofi is known as the Cong are also known as the Congolese giant spiders or a type of large arachnid cryptid which is said to inhabit the forests of the Congo, possibly representing a new species of arachnida. Okay. This is fascinating. Uh I love it, that you pulled this up. Thank you so for what, having this ready. Yeah, one reason why I like this one actually is because uh, it actually reminds me of a lot of cryptids that used to be cryptids that turned out to be real, like the Okapi. Because the Okapi's it's from fast. the Congo, and the Congo is a very dense forest. Um, and if you're into biology and look at like classifications of different species, we learn more about insects, arachnids, and like smaller creatures being discovered all the time. Now, granted, this is a giant one. Um, but there are a lot of spiders and insects out there. And I think that the chances of there being one undiscovered in that dense forest that hasn't been fully explored is more possible than a lot of things we've actually looked at. Sure. I'm, I'm having a hard time finding out exactly how big. I'm seeing some tales of like three foot long. I don't think that that is out of the realm of possibility. Like I could definitely see a world where a, a creature like this could exist. And a lot of it comes from... Uh, descriptions from the natives who live in those areas um who i guess assert that the spider was once quite common but has since become very rare that's the kind of stuff that i really do believe could have gone undiscovered and then maybe gone extinct or very close to it over time before we had a chance to even realize it was there um i would give this one an eight i think this is totally possible to be something that at least existed at some point yeah, I mean, it, to me, it depends on the discrepancy of the size, because I do think that the reason that we don't see insects, like, that big usually anymore is because of, like, their skeletal structure and the amount of muscles that it would require to have that much weight are very unlikely. Um, but, you know, biology is complicated, and you never know when, when things just find a way, you know, as they say in Jurassic Park, life does find a way. Um, and... Uh, Again, like, the Okapi exists, and that was one that wasn't known. Uh, dense jungles are, like, way more likely to hide some new species, land critters that we've never seen before. Sure, uh, and I'll also say, a, a spider is technically not an insect, it's an arachnid. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. But even still, no, um, even still, structure could be, I, I don't know, I mean... This is just something, there's already big spiders, why not a spider that's, really like, next level big? I mean, again, I don't, I don't know how possible it is. Depends on how big is why I say that. Because like, I wouldn't expect to see like a spider that you'd see in like from from like a horror movie. You know, like a cow sure. sized spider. That would be too. Me big neither. Me. But three feet is not that crazy. Nah, that that seems totally realistic. Too. Like three foot leg span. 
That seems sure. reasonable. That sounds so unbelievably effing scary. Um, I know, so horrifying. Like, dude, when, like Florida, uh, not Florida. <laughs> I think of Florida when I think of crazy things. Um, but Australia has some pretty scary looking things out there. Um, spiders can get pretty big. I, I, let me let me actually look up what the uh, largest spider is. While you're doing that, let me share the ciphers for the episode. Um, we have one that is. A simple man with eager ears may trust the whispers that he hears. Um, looks like uh, that was the end credit cryptogram. Uh, and the cipher, or I guess the uh, the key that you needed to solve that cy cipher was on a stump when Candy, Grenda, and Wendy entered the Gnome Tavern in a previous episode, Jeez. which is wild. Um, That's amazing our that somebody would even figure that out. I know. Uh, we have another one for the episode's end page. In Cypher's game, he needs a pawn. Be sure to know which side you're on. So, tiniest reference to Bill Cypher in this episode, even though he wasn't really there. So, the um, largest spider recorded that's alive is the Goliath bird eater that has a uh, foot-long leg span. So, from one side to another, it would be like two and a half feet, roughly. Um, and the largest prehistoric one ever discovered was from Argentina, the Magarcane Servine, I think. Um, and uh, that was the largest spider with an estimated length of 33.9 uh, 30, 30, centimeters and a leg span of over 19 inches. Okay, so that's verging on two feet. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, man, I don't know. I think this is possible. Um. I was hoping that that prehistoric spider would be a little bit bigger for me to be me able too. to be more confident. But uh, there are like spider crabs that are pretty huge. Not an arachnid, technically. They're a crustacean, but, sure. you know. And sometimes these animals can be something else that we're mistaken as a spider. You never know. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Because, uh, uh, let's see. A um, spider crab has a leg span also of... Holy sh... A spy oh my god, a spider crab has a leg span of up to 12 feet. Wow. Oh gosh. Okay. That's yeah, so enormous. Like that? Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so uh if you saw a spider crab out there or something like that, maybe there's I don't think the Congo is coastal. But um Yeah, no, you never know. Life finds a way. So I'll I'll put I'll I'll give it an eight too. I think eight seems reasonable. Okay. Um Wait a second. Oh, no. I totally read the wrong ciphers. No, These you? were the same ones that I read in the last episode. No! All right, I gotta fix this. Um, Do it. Here, talk to me more about spiders. Okay, Japanese spider crabs, which are not spiders, they're crabs, are omnivorous and scavenge for food. In its natural habitat, it feeds on shellfish and dead animals. They can eat algae, plants, mollusks, and small fish. That is a big crab if it can eat a small fish. This one specifically is called the Japanese spider crab, which are the biggest. One of the largest living arthropods. Arthropods? I haven't even heard of that. Okay, look. This is giving me mixed signals about how I feel about this. I'm feeling a 7 for the spider right now, being what people think it is, a giant spider. I'll still give it an 8. I think I think the... Even if they misidentified it as an arachnid, I still think the existence of the thing is still possible. Cool. All right. Well, let me uh, close this out with the ciphers for this episode. Um, 
One of them reads, Seuss, like a noble golden retriever, eventually found his way homeward and befriended a talking bulldog and sassy cat along the way. Entire backstory! Wow, that's kind of cool. Actually, like Yeah, I, I like the extra um, context here. So, wow, God, that's a whole episode. Maybe it's uh, one of the shorts, who knows. Uh, and then we have, Carla McCorkle returned all his flowers, Marilyn divorced him after only six hours. Beatrice slapped him for being a cad. Old Goldie's the best girlfriend Stan ever had. So lots oh. more uh, lore Ouch. there. I'll also say that Goldie is the name of Scrooge McDuck's ex in the DuckTales Disney series. And Whoa. couldn't be related because DuckTales came later. But I gotta watch that show all the way through. Synonymous. We got halfway through. I want to finish it. I I recently watched a YouTube video that was the best iteration of every Mickey Mouse character. And a lot of them were from DuckTales. So I I gotta finish that all the way through again. I I love that series so much. The reboot. Yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, I'll be honest, people. I forgot to check Journal 3 today. uh, But because Ford was not in this episode and he is currently the owner of the journal, I don't think this would have made it in there. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you in the next episode. I'll bet the Spider Girl would be the only thing of note in the journal from this episode. Or it could be that she was in the book earlier when Ford had the journal and then... Fair. Good point. Um, Okay, so this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies. Uh, You can find more of Lou and I by watching Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. You can follow us on social media with the links in the description. Don't forget about that JBCD Discord where you can chat and share your notes with other people about these Gravity Bros podcasts and anything else about animation. And five-star reviews are always helpful. Thanks, Tessa Scarborough, for the cover art. We'll see you all next week, and happy sleuthing. Peace.